0: I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one handpicked wine per day until it sells out which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at LastBottleWines.com and use the code DATable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating where we dig into the whys of people's (laughs) behavior, including your own when it comes to modern romance. Hello, Julie. Hello. We're We're
0: back. We got a good topic today, dating trauma. I should probably start with who our guest today is. Anyone that is in our Facebook community, Love in the Time of Corona, and The Sounding Board, which is our premium community, knows and loves this guest very dearly. We are joined by Janice Eisenman, who is our moderator also. Yay! So (laughs) we'll start off by saying that before we even get into it. But she's also a writer for Elephant Journal, Mm -hmm. and she wrote this article a while back. And as soon as she did, I'm like, we need to have you on the podcast because this topic is so good and it was basically like the title of it is the dating wounds we carry after years of being single and it's Mm. all about dating trauma like dating PTSD and of course when we say trauma we're talking about like little t not like major trauma but just I think what she really talks about is like when you've been ghosted not once but time after time after time Mm -hmm. it starts to take an effect on your psyche and it's something that as society we kind of like sweep under the rug it's like we can mourn losses if it's a divorce or a big breakup or you can't get pregnant or you lose a child or you lose a job even. But like people kind of, in a way, like would laugh if you were like, "Oh my God, I went on one date and I'm so mm-hmm. upset because I got ghosted." They'd be like, "Really? Like, is that that big a deal?" And kind of the point of this whole thing is like, it's not in isolation, but when it keeps happening over and over again, it can become a big deal.
1: I think a lot of times we treat dating like it's a battleground. So when we are faced with these wounds, like just a just a bullet, you know, a bullet mm-hmm. here and there, we are taught and we're encouraged to be resilient and just. Just keep going, keep fighting. But we forget that also on the battleground, there needs to be a lot of just reflection too. And like, why did I get hit? How did mm-hmm. I get hit? How did it feel when I got hit? And that's sort of what we're going to address in this episode is how to address the wounds that you've experienced in dating so that you can move forward. Not like it's you're in battle, but in a much more sort of like a realistic way of, of facing um, modern romance and modern dating. Totally.
0: And I have think- think like all weekend or it's been like sitting with me this one question that we actually talked to one of our members in the sounding board about and she brought up like if I just am starting to get like apathetic and kind of be like totally fine just you know oh yeah baking at home and chilling and not like you know being so dedicated to apps and all of that and like kind of not caring if someone goes like is that a sign that I'm giving up or is that a sign that I'm growing and this like question has really been sitting with me because I think like like, i have also been in like kind of a weird phase right now with dating like i've been really active again starting like january when i got back like i was using apps when i was in boston but obviously wasn't meeting anyone but like doing more virtual and then like since i've been back i've been definitely more active either just by talking or meeting in real life i've definitely been in this phase where like things like haven't been like as you know like seamless as they have for me in the past and i don't blame apps because like i've definitely been on apps and like the first date i went on, I met a boyfriend. So it's like mm-hmm. sometimes it just ebbs and flows. And this is like a random tangent. But I feel like when people are like, "Fuck the apps," like the apps suck. And like really, like would you ever say that about like your favorite bar? Like if you met someone in there, like if someone right. like you know like ignored you at your bar or like didn't want to date you, you would never be like blame the bar. Like it's just like you're just meeting humans. But anyways, that's a random side note that I was thinking. People about. just love blaming and <laughs> exactly. <for themselves>. exactly. <laughs>
1: Exactly. It's always about the environment. Exactly. It's always about the the thing that you met someone or like if a friend introduced you and then didn't work out. You're like, ah, fuck my friend. You would never That's say that. True. You, you would be like, you would well, never you say could that.
0: be like, oh, they have bad taste. You know, like that. That's thing. true.
1: Yeah, but you wouldn't be like, fuck my friend. I'm never to no, my friend again. No. I'm taking a sabbatical from my <laughs> <Right>. friend. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it wouldn't be as extreme. And I think like maybe the apps are like the new blaming your city because I feel like that used to yeah. be be like, oh, I'm going to move. Maybe it's the same. Actually, it's like this threat to move. And then you're like back a week later. You're like, nope, I'm right. not moving. Yeah.
1: Reinstall. <laughs> I would love to see the numbers from these dating apps. Oh, how, many, how many times on average someone installs and uninstalls in yeah. one year? That would be such an interesting stat to see. Totally. Totally. But I think this actually
0: is relevant to what I'm trying to bring up is like I've definitely been in this patch lately, which is actually Mm. ironic because Nikki Novo, who was our our past guest, that was a medium that kind of told me I was going to meet my person this year and warned me I was going to go through a a patch that I could not get discouraged and feel jaded. And I think I'm in it right now. So that's kind of Mm. actually in a way promising. But I think like being in this patch like you kind of have a decision how you're going to handle it. Like you're like, yes, I could delete and uninstall all the apps or I can like, you know, learn from it, feel what I need to feel. Like I think especially in this episode, too, it's like justify that like, yeah, it's it it never is fun when you get ghosted. Like no one's going to say it's a good time. But it's like, how much do you let you let it affect your psyche? And I think that is like actually empowering that it is in your control to decide. And the way mm-hmm. I look at it, too, I'm like, OK, like, yeah, I've had this string of people that I'm I'm, like really excited about and then they're not like making prioritizing meeting up as big of a priority as I am or like I meet someone who we're just like a totally different life stages but the next person could be amazing <laughs> and like I don't want the other people to like just you know detract me from being like being able to like talk to that amazing person so I mm-hmm. do think like all these feelings are valid but I think ultimately it's up to us to choose how we interpret them and back to like the original question is it giving up or is it like that you've actually made strides I think that it's like a it's a tough question to answer I think and I think ultimately like you're gonna know if you're like if you're not staying true to yourself and you're just not dating because it's like easier than being rejected versus you're kind of getting so comfortable with yourself that you're able to let this stuff slide a bit more
1: A term I hear over and over again, and I use this too when I was dating, is this feeling of numbness. You're just Mm. numb. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel these feelings. And that is your brain's way of protecting you and protecting your heart, protecting you from the heartbreak that could come with dating. But when you are feeling numb, it's a... I really hate that feeling, by the way. It's like, oh, I can't... Somehow I can't connect to my emotions or I feel Mm. like... You go on a date and you're like, I don't even know how I feel about this person because I'm just feeling a little bit numb about it. Uh, when you are feeling numb, I think that is a really great signal for you to step back and think mm-hmm. like, what is it that that I really want to get out of dating? What do I need to do right now to get myself out of this state? Because I think numbness is like the one level up from apathy. Like mm-hmm. you can be apathetic, but then the next level is like you feel absolutely nothing. Right. That is probably not the best place to be. So I think it's good to, to I mean, relating back to this episode, is to look back at the culmination of all the dating trauma you faced and use this episode to help you reflect and kind of like categorize what those traumas meant to you so that you can get out of that state of of numbness.
0: The numbness is I, I think that's a really good point because that is a feeling that people don't really talk about. Everyone has a right to how they feel like no one's going to ever say you say that your feelings are invalid. But I think it's really ultimately what you choose to do with those feelings. And maybe what you choose is to take a break, and that's fine. Or you mm-hmm. choose to use it as an opportunity that you're like, okay, I'm getting closer to what I'm looking for. And I think like, I don't know, like I was talking to a friend of mine, and I'm like, I feel like lately, I've been like more open to giving people second sh- dates, even if it's not like great on date one, like, especially in worlds of COVID, where we've maybe talked a bit more than before. And I feel like some of them haven't. And I'm like, I could feel discouraged by that. Or I could be like, maybe this actually is a turning point for me. Maybe it comes with a little little more potential rejection, because I'm not the first to say like, no, but maybe it shows that I'm like becoming more open. I don't know, you can look at it however way you want to.
1: It's all about gaining perspective, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. The world
1: You see the world how you choose to see it, and you choose to see it in a certain way. And that puts you in a certain mood. So I guess... Ultimately, the decision's up to you. How do you want to see the situation? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that kind of like segues to interesting stuff going in our lives. Grats on the home purchase. That's super exciting. I'm very excited for you that you have now, are now officially a homeowner. Another thing that's not necessarily celebrated as much as like it should be, I think.
1: Thank you. It is a big fucking deal. So for anybody who um, knows me personally, you know, I've been making a slow low transition down to LA to be closer to my family. Um, and it's been probably six months in the making, I think six or plus months. As part of that, I wanted to purchase my first home. So I was able to do that. Uh, I, I opened escrow on New Year's Eve and closed uh, not too long ago. So it's my first condo. It's kind of a big fucking deal because it is so much paperwork. It is, <laughs> it's sort of like dating, right? Because like in the initial search stage, you're just looking you have no idea what you're looking for. You're just going by gut feeling like, okay, well, this home feels good, but is there something better out there? (laughs) Like, am am I, can I see myself committing to this place for a long time? And once you do commit to a place, you kind of get cold feet. (laughs) Like, wait, that's a lot to commit. For me, financially, it's a lot to just hemorrhage out for a home, but it's been a great process for my partner and I, because he's been extremely supportive. He's in the real estate business. So he really helped me along the way. But the way we arranged this, I think it goes into what Nikki Novo told me too. She's (laughs) like, you're going to choose a very non-traditional route for Mm -hmm. for a partnership. And I love what we're doing. He owns a place in San Francisco. Now I own this place in LA. But I'm calling it our place because we found it together. We decided on it together. We are furnishing it together, renovating it together, everything together. So that now we have the freedom of two places, but Mm -hmm. also individual we have our own assets like this is mine that is his and like on paper yes we we individually own these but when we speak about it when we talk about life it's like now we have two places we can go back and forth between (laughs) san francisco and la and i i really do i really do love this process and getting to this like non-traditional route i mean a lot of friends have been like is that something you do do is that something you want to do do you want to pay him rent at his other place and he pays you rent at this place you know it just doesn't make any sense julie it's just you know
0: i love it i love it i know people might question it but i actually find it so inspiring and i love that you guys are making it work because like you have reasons that you need to be down there more he has reasons he needs to be up here more it's obviously not that far that you can do it i think it could be a lot harder if it was like across the country or like in different countries like we're talking about you can drive it right yeah um, but i think like it's actually very inspiring that like you can make something work even if there are challenges Or roadblocks that come up that like cause you to be like, oh, we actually might need to like rethink our like living situation. And I think if two people really do want to make something work, I like do strongly believe this, it can work, like you can find Mm -hmm. a solution, but it does take two people wanting to make it work. If only one does, it's not going to work out. Like if, for instance, like you wanted to go there, and he was like, oh, yeah, I'll come like once in a blue moon, like that wouldn't work. But the fact that you're, you're kind of like going back and forth together, I think that does work. So it's like you guys found what worked for you is really the ultimate.
1: I will say one last thing I wanted to comment about this home buying experience is that there is no other, <laughs> no other process that reminds you that you are a single unmarried woman like a home buying experience. After you fill out the application for loans, for escrow, for closing docs, they verify every single time they just, they email you or call you and ask. I just want to verify you are a single, unmarried woman, correct? And you have to say yes every time. (laughs) And when you sign with, uh, they have a notary that come to you. And when you sign, the notary also has to ask you, Like three times, basically. She's like, you're a single woman, right? You're a single woman. You're a single woman. And you you have to be like, yes, yes, yes. I get it's for like uh, property reasons they just want to confirm. Nobody else can claim rights to the property. But at the same time, like, hello, do you you still need to remind me that I'm an unmarried woman? (laughs) Like, I already know. Thank you.
0: Okay, so I remember you saying that. I actually view it quite differently. I think it's freaking empowering that like we can be single women buying homes. I think it's awesome. I actually would love to be reminded. Reminded each time that I have a single woman that could be putting down enough money to buy a home. So it's all perspective. Okay.
1: I mean, yeah, it's all perspective. I was more like, this is fucking annoying. I don't need to tell you this like 6,000 times.
0: <laughs> I get it. I get it. It is a lot to like keep getting it. But speaking of SoCal and California as a whole, have you heard about this new thing with the access codes for the vaccine?
1: No. So what's that?
0: So apparently, um, this is basically. Is a scam? It's not a scam, but it's tricking the system it's basically skipping the line for vaccination there's access codes it actually originated out of private schools in la and they like found these access codes that were meant for like underserved and underprivileged community members (gasps) and now they're circulating to like anyone and i have friends that have used it and basically got appointments (gasps) at oakland coliseum and i think like some of them totally were under the impression that like people weren't using the vaccines because you know how we've heard that also Mm -hmm. but it's come out that like people that need the appointments can't get the appointments so yeah it's become like this whole thing and I think they're like trying to shut it down but I thought it was super interesting and it actually just like made me think about too like uh, even over the weekend like I was with a friend that got the vaccine and he was like having people over his house and it was like oh I have the vaccine and I'm like there's gonna be this divide of like the people that have vaccine and Don't, And I wonder like how that will impact dating too, because it's like, I think when you have the vaccine, you're going to be more like, oh, I can get out and like resume life again. And then obviously, if you don't, you're still going to be in the same boat as today. So I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic, like as I think initially, I thought like everyone would be kind of on the same page based off of age. But it seems like that's not happening. People are kind of gaming the system a bit.
1: Yeah, I was wondering why I know so many young people who've been Mm -hmm. vaccinated. But also remember, people feel like once you're vaccinated, you can be around people who aren't vaccinated. You can still pass the virus on. If you're vaccinated, you are more likely to not get it. But you can still give it to other people. So it doesn't exactly make you safe around other people who aren't vaccinated. Just so y'all know. I know. I
0: think people are using it though as a thing, like, especially like guys with women, like, I'm vaccinated. Oh, yeah. like, yes, it could be a false pretense, like you were just saying, but there's something about hearing that. Like, if you were choosing from two dudes and one was vaccinated and one wasn't, like, who are you going to pick to hook up with? All other factors the same, right? So I think people mm. are like using it almost as like a pickup line, like, I'm vaccinated the haves and the
1: have-nots. Yeah, I mean, there's
0: definitely a lot of (laughs) of loopholes. Like, I know, like, friends that are therapists that have been able to get it under, like, the healthcare. Healthcare, So I think it's not like they're doing anything wrong, but it's also not necessarily, like, frontline healthcare workers, right? So it's like there are some definite loopholes in the system. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting as this plays out, like, how people, like, approach dating and, like, being in relationships, like, what activities you're comfortable with versus not when there is that... That disparity.
1: Well, that makes me really curious to know if you are listening right now and you've experienced <laughs> something with people being vaccinated or not vaccinated and how that impacted your dating. Let us know. We love to hear some great anecdotal stories.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen it on the profiles yet, but I think it's going to come. I definitely think it's going to come.
1: Yeah, it's going to happen. I think people are still a little scared to say they've been Mm -hmm. vaccinated because then you you question, like, how did you do it? Right,
0: right. So I think, like, we had this conversation actually in the Facebook community, which is a good segue to some of our just, you know, announcements of the week. And one person was like, I wouldn't put it in my profile because it doesn't define who I am as a person, which I get, but I don't think that's the reason why people are putting it in their profile. It's because they want to have this air of safety, right? Like, mm-hmm. pick me because I'm safe, right? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Um, Anyways, as if you've been around with us for a while, you probably kind of know the drill, but definitely check out Love in the Time of Corona. That's our public Facebook group. And we also have The Sounding Board, which is our kind of private members only group where the real action happens. We got a lot of great things in store. One of actually our audio series is very interrelated to this topic this week. It's all about managing setbacks that inevitably happen in relationships and dating, which could be like dating trauma it could be one person wants to move one place and one person wants to stay another like there could be all sorts of things that come up and we talk about like how to manage roadblocks and setbacks and you know the real deep stuff that really can get at you while dating
1: and if you're missing a sense of community and connection meeting new people this is the perfect place to do it i think some great friendships and deep Mm -hmm. friendships have come out of the sounding board so if you're looking for that community again and we really recommend The Sounding Board.
0: Yep. And we have Ken Page, too, is going to be our datable after show guest this month. So if you are a big Ken Page fan, which we know a lot of the datable community is, this is also the time to join to hear all from him.
1: So to get more information on The Sounding Board, just go to datablepodcast.com slash sounding board. And while you're there, just stay on (laughs) datablepodcast.com with all the information about our podcast is there. I know we have a ton of new listeners, especially after our New York Times Mm features. So thank you. Welcome. Thanks for listening. And you can just go to the website if you want any other information. We also have merch, by the way, so a good place to be. (laughs) And while you're on the internet, (laughs) might as well go to Apple Podcasts and give a as a review if you like us if you don't like us let us know your feedback too you know what but only like we really want to hear about the from the people who really like us <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully
0: i don't think people realize how much effort goes into podcasting and i'm like oh, i don't know like there's stupid podcasts i've listened to that it's not my cup of tea but i just move on like you know like there's a yeah, it's like dating right exactly exactly but uh, one I do want to point out one really funny bad comment we got on our reviews that was basically like they claim to be dating experts but they disagree on things and I'm like this is actually like the epitome of our show is one we're not claiming to be dating experts absolutely not I don't think anyone I actually don't think anyone even like people that study dating for years are dating experts yes you might have like an understanding of something more than the average person but no one is an expert Because there's no one-size-fits-all
1: solution,
0: which brings it to the point of, yes, we're going to disagree on things. That's what keeps it interesting.
1: I know. People like it when we disagree on things. We don't want to just be each other's echo chamber.
0: Yeah. Take what serves you, leave what don't, and hopefully leave us a
1: good review. (laughs) (laughs) With that said, let's get to Janice on dating trauma. Well, Janice has been so instrumental in getting to know are members in our Facebook group, Love in the Time Corona. But we also want to know more about Janice. Who is she? She <laughs> is uh, in her 40s, originally from Canada. She currently lives in Calgary. She's been there for eight years. If you don't know where Calgary is, it's in Canada. She's the <laughs> owner of My Body Couture, a one-to-one movement studio that helps people feel better in their bodies. And by night, she's a dating and relationship enthusiast. Ooh, I like that word. She <laughs> <laughs> has participated in the evolution of dating from the era of IRL dates seems like a, a decade zillion ago. years ago. Yeah. another lifetime <laughs> that involved a telephone. whoa, whoa. Who uses that. <laughs> actually, that's back now, but yeah. but not rotary uh, to. <laughs> lava life. I remember lava life and keyboards and Tinder and text. She writes about her lived experiences with relationships for elephant journal. And she recently had an article called the dating wounds we carry after years of being single. She's never been married, started dating at age 17. I love it. I love all this information. We're getting so (laughs) and we want to basically learn more about this idea of dating trauma. I'm going to say dating dating trauma with a with a small t. And what does it mean, right? So this is a very interesting topic because it's not the trauma you're thinking of. It's a different kind of trauma that we've all experienced and carried in our lives.
0: I feel like when you put this article up in our group, We're like, we need to do this topic, because we've definitely hit this like throughout many episodes, but we haven't dedicated a full episode. And like you said, it's not like big trauma, like rape, uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault, like some of the things that you think of when you think of the word trauma, which is a loaded word. But I guess like to you, what is dating trauma? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it is, it's definitely the little T, but the little T is kind of like a bunch of cuts that happen over and over again. So what I noticed, I really was a student of dating techniques for a long time. When I was 15, my mom handed me a copy of the rules and mm-hmm. that had, you know, such gems as never, ever call a man back, never <laughs> accept a date after Wednesday night, et cetera. So-
1: Some of my favorite hits. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. right. Um, and then, you know, even as I aged and I matured, those rules just went onto Facebook. They never went away. And so when I was struggling to find a partner, those rules morphed into lean back, be in your feminine, things like that. But they were always there. And what I noticed was the end underpinning for women was that we were always to be and this is heteronormative dating we were always to be fun Mm -hmm. playful light we were to flirt And so this very open space where we are presenting our hearts, making this nurturing environment, being fun and playful, letting men touch us. And then going on date after date, I was like the classic two dater. So I would always get that second date always. But then when things would crumble and fall apart and I wouldn't get asked on the third date or men would ghost after texting me for you know 4,000 million (laughs) texts (laughs) and then just suddenly stop or not ask out on the third. Date or ghost me. Then, when I would kind of look for support from friends, I would get, Well, why are you letting him take your power? Men need space. It was all of a sudden I was supposed to be closed off and not have any emotion over this. And when you go on dozens and dozens of dates, it is traumatizing. Eventually, I actually lost the skill set. At the point when I wrote that article, I recognized that I no longer had the skill set to even be in a relationship. What I was really good at was first and second dates. I could Mm. play this game of I'm open, I'm fun, I'm flirty, I'm warm, I'm kind, I'm choose me, choose me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But (laughs) when it really came to the skills of relationships, I had put up all these walls because I wasn't actually supported in that space of, this is painful. This feels like rejection. This feels awful. I am on my 27th cycle of this and I feel terrible because we're constantly told, don't let it bother you. Don't get upset by this, don't hand your power away. He means nothing, give him space, et cetera.
1: Mm, It's kind of like the difference between uh, a series of small paper cuts over time versus having your leg severed at once. This sort of trauma accumulates over time where you internalize it. You're like, oh, it's just a a paper cut. I'm just supposed to get it. And each time it still hurts, but I just internalize it because it it just happens. And over time, as it builds, it becomes something much bigger than you thought it was. So that's, that's exactly what right. I really want to focus on.
0: Yeah, I think it's like, if you get ghosted once, it stings, but it's not it doesn't like eat at your self esteem. But when it happens over and over and over again, you you turn to like, is there something wrong with me? Like, what am mm-hmm. I doing? So like, what do you think is like the fallout of all of this outside of like emotional, but walls are down for relationships?
2: Well, I think the fallout was at the point when I wrote the article, I actually was starting a new relationship. And I recognized how anxious I was. And, you know, we talk about anxious attachment styles, but I think it was really different than that. It was Mm. not actually even an attachment style. I was so anxious about what was going to happen because I would get the compliments and the attention and all of those things that happen in those first couple of dates, which... You know maybe as a two-week relationship and then it would just disappear and i recognize that that's not a long time with any one given person but when that's happening over and over i mentioned the article i believe that i've gone on approximately a thousand first dates in my life so you know it happened a thousand times and that's enough times that i felt like i'm waiting for the other shoe to drop i'm constantly Mm -hmm. sitting on edge in those early phases of you know is this compliment real Do I trust this person? Do I trust the situation? I'm texting right now and investing time in this person? Is this legitimate? Is this person going to disappear? And even once I got past that phase, then there was new levels of anxiety, because then I was into places that I hadn't really gone. But you know, if you're dating somebody twice, we're not into deep, vulnerable conversation. We're not into really heart centered connection we're not actually really in that place of connection at all. So I think the longer term was actually connection itself started to feel quite foreign and scary to me because I had played over and over this I can pseudo connect, I can fake connect, I can, I can get that second date, but it's not really true connection. I totally
0: can relate to like early <laughs> dating anxiety. I feel yeah. like it's like something that I've definitely tried to like, you know, I think it's like what you were saying, though, it's like, you're just told to like, try to push it away, mm-hmm. opposed to really like feel it. But it mm-hmm. is something that definitely creeps up. And I think what's hard, you mentioned this in your article, but it's like, in bigger things that happen, like if you've like a miscarriage or you lose a job like you're allowed to mourn it but it's almost like people are like why are you just like make who cares like this is the person and it almost like compounds it because then you start to feel like guilt and shame to feel that way you kind of feel like stupid for even like getting upset (laughs) about it right absolutely
2: yeah Yeah, I think that we have defined cultural boxes of what we say, this is okay to feel sad or upset about. Dating is actually not typically one of them. If you think of even a longer term relationship, what we typically tell people is, we'll just go out and meet someone else. Just Mm -hmm. The word just is always in there in some spoken or unspoken way. It is, well, you weren't married, so what's the big deal? Everyone knows that divorce is a process, but I don't find the breakup of relationships gets honored the same way. And those little mini dating periods Mm -hmm. are definitely not honored at all. It's seen as, well, how long were you together? Okay, if it's under a certain amount of time, it's literally invalidated. It literally is something that is, you need to just pick yourself up, go to the bar, (laughs) dance it off, and and definitely never mention it again. And it doesn't work (laughs) that way doing this process over and over again. So I just started to notice a lack of support, a lack of compassion, a lack of self compassion, actually, even for myself, where I would start to panic because Oh, God, you know, it happened again, it happened again. And I didn't really feel like I had an outlet for this totally unacknowledged phenomenon of serial dating and the pain that it's actually causing people. Our nervous systems, I mean, I'm a body worker by trade, our nervous systems actually see rejection, feel rejection as pain. So if I drop something on my foot, I would feel pain. So too, if I go out on a date and the guy ghosts me, I feel pain, that's how my body responds to that because I'm human. We have strong tribal pull just biologically. So getting rejected from somebody else feels painful. And noticing that all of this advice Especially, you know, I'm I'm female, so I can only speak to female. Was definitely not geared towards that compassionate, empathetic place. And it and it people were trying to help, but all of it was dedicated towards shut it out, feel nothing, and what's wrong with you.
1: And if this compounds over time, because I think when you're talking about there's no outlet for this, the outlet I do see is people end up complaining. It becomes a blame game. It's yes. A yes. Bad dating behavior. They become very catchy yes. dating terms, but there's not. Nothing about how do I feel and how do I reconcile with those feelings. So when these feelings are ignored and it compounds over time, how does that affect your love life? Especially yours, Janice. How, How did you see it affect your love life?
2: Well, I think the idea behind dating is connecting. And what I noticed was how many times I actually disconnected. Mm. So we have a million opportunities in those early phases to choose to connect or to disconnect. And I would often start to disconnect. So the irony was that what I wanted most was connection, and I probably actually created scenarios for myself that were disconnecting, and/or I chose partners who actively weren't capable of connecting.
0: What's an example <laughs> yeah. of something that a, a scenario? That- you were to say
2: well i think a connecting activity is actually a woman calling a man if i want to talk to Mm -hmm. him let's pick up the phone and call him but I would lean back. Let's test him. Let's see how interested he is. Let's have him do the work. Let's have him ask me out on the second date, even though inside myself, I knew if I wanted to talk to him or I knew if I wanted to go out on that second date, but I would choose to actually take that disconnecting action. I would sometimes give compliments so that I could hear them back.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Things like that, where they weren't actually genuine activities. It's playing as if. So I think that that did ultimately impact the people who would ask me out. I didn't necessarily check where people were at. So I didn't maybe screen with some questions about people's emotional capabilities because mm. I was afraid of the answer. So, you know, if they matched with me, texted, there was a period. I wouldn't do this again. But basically, <laughs> I I remember telling people this so I know it was true. You know, I would go on a date with anybody who would ask, mm. which is a great, it's a great activity if you're a new dater. I mm. was not a new dater. I'd been <laughs> dating for like 15 to 20 years at that point. So it essentially, was allowing people to choose me. And then I was stepping out of the process and I was not actively bringing that connection towards me.
0: And then that's like Um, a vicious cycle because then like in this situation, men will say like, oh, she's not actually interested and then they lose interest. And it's just like, that's the cycle that keeps continuing itself.
1: This is just years and years of really bad dating advice because I think, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, again, it's you. you said it, it's very ironic when our whole goal with dating is to find connection with someone, yet our other goal is to win and when you try to win the situation you disconnect and then you do not present an authentic part of yourself so how are you really supposed to find a true connection and that's where i think this this dating trauma can can really hinder someone's relationship and their dating cycle mm-hmm. is that you forget what your main goal is You lose sight of of the perspective of what dating is.
2: I also think that it creates a scenario where you actually disconnect from yourself. So we talked Mm. about this a bit earlier, but I had these feelings. I could feel it in my chest. I could feel that pit in my stomach. I could feel that anxiety sort of taking over, which makes you panicky. It made my thoughts run faster. My voice would sort of the pitch and tone when I would Mm -hmm. call girlfriends would go up. And then to sort of hear well-meaning advice of literally don't give your power way. Don't let it bother you. You know that men need space. Well, I have to I would have to shut off from myself in order right. to live with myself. So then I would have to override my own body signals to say, no, 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 I don't actually feel that. I'm fine. I'm good. So then that hinders connection with someone else because we're not even connected to ourselves.
0: And then I think about like, okay, if I'm really gonna follow that pattern through a relationship, like do I want <laughs> a relationship where I'm afraid to text them first? Or right. like, you know, like all these things that you were just saying. Like, like that's not setting you up for a healthy relationship. So it's like, why am I doing this in the dating phase? Like if anything, I almost want to like test like what's the reaction to me being how I would be in a relationship.
1: Because for so many years, we thought that's how you take control of your dating. Yeah, It's mm-hmm. when you disconnect when you ignore all your feelings. Yep. And you try to f- force something and contrive something to happen uh, by, quote unquote, taking control.
0: I mean, we've talked about it before. We definitely blame the rules, why men love bitches, like all that series (laughs) of books are the downfall for sure. So bad. But I think dating terms are actually a downfall too. I'm curious what you guys think. Like, I feel like by normalizing ghosting or breadcrumbing or all of that, it's almost like giving permission to do Mm -hmm. these things. Like, how do you guys think it's affecting dating? dating trauma.
2: <laughs> I think it gives a lot of awareness to that. I have been dating online since I don't even know what year lava life was around.
0: But back in those days. We-
2: Which I realized
0: I had no idea what lava life was. I'm too young. <laughs>
2: (laughs) So it's not a new, it's not a new. Um, So in those days, yeah, there was actually ghosting. We would go out on dates and nobody would pick up the phone and call the other person back. That's Mm -hmm. a form of ghosting. But in reality, no one was upset about that. No one talked about it for hours with their friends. No one went online and bitched about it. Facebook didn't even exist. So there was no place to sort of build momentum with that. But it puts a lot of focus on that behavior. And it's really interesting because that word is around but also nobody's acknowledging the emotional pain it's Mm -hmm. what i see instead is oh this asshole ghosted me Mm -hmm. i hate ghosters
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But it's not the conversation of, you know, that really hurt my heart. I really was starting to feel a connection with this person. This is a mini breakup. Mm -hmm. Actually, forget it. It's a breakup. It Mm might have been a week long relationship. It's still something we have to emotionally process. I think biologically. We are exposed to more people on Tinder in one day than we would have ever met and been exposed to in our lifetime back in the day. And we don't even have to go Mm -hmm. that far back in the day. My grandma's alive and she's 98 years old. (laughs) And she came from a small town. I know that in two hours on Tinder, I could swipe through more people than she literally saw in her entire life. Mm. And our bodies are going to have a biological response to that because this is just not, we were not biologically given catalogs of people to flip through and then have these connecting conversations. And so although dating advice says, and it's not bad advice, but don't get ahead of it, stay present. Our biology is saying, oh, we're connecting. Our vagus nerve is connecting. We're having all of these hormonal signals that we actually are making this connection. Mm-hmm. And the average time it takes between starting a conversation and going on the date is a week. And then we could say, even if we were like really aggressive with her, we're going to go on a second date within a couple of days. We still have that connection that's been built. It's taken, <laughs> I love statistics. So one time I sort of figured it out and you know, I spent 40 hours a month just on those apps. And then there was phone calls and texts in between and dates in between. So I'm investing, I don't even know how much. 60 hours a month Mm -hmm. on dating and I started laughing with girlfriends because I was like honestly if I was going to another job Mm-hmm. Totally. If I, if I was going paid to, for this shit. <laughs> if I, want I was a salary. <laughs> right? I, I totally needed a salary. Um, if I was going to the gym 40 to 60 hours a month and getting this result, I would stop. Like, this right. is crazy. You know, there's no result that's happening. And so it's really frustrating because I think there's also no emotional acknowledgement of what that 40 to 60 hour investment brings. And even though it's with different people, my brain and my body said, well, that's an investment. And mm-hmm. so part of what started to happen was every single date, actually, that investment grew bigger in a certain way. It wasn't mm-hmm. like it was growing smaller or, right. or, or shrinking. It was like, okay, you know, now. <laughs> You're it's not- never like, the, it just never went through my mind, but it's it's like, you know, now we're at hour 59, like deliver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Because yeah, it's like the other people were building on that next person. You're like, I've already yeah. wasted X amount of hours. <laughs> like, this person's got to be good. I think, like, I think that's an interesting point, what you said about like how we're exposed to so many people. Because part of what, how you define dating trauma was that things kept happening over and over again, like these small interactions. So every person that doesn't respond to you on Tinder, every person that doesn't swipe right, like even though it's a really tiny interaction, like they all build up into something that just simply wasn't there years ago, just due
1: to volume alone. So we're experiencing more of that micro trauma. I think that's very important to point Mm -hmm. out.
2: I noticed what would start happening was that I would just hit this wall of overwhelm and then delete the app. So I would I I ghosted so many people, depending on what your definition of ghosting is. I literally had some men that asked me out on dates and I was like, I, I can't and I would just delete the <laughs> delete the app right. and literally never talk to them again. I would go into these zones where I just was so overwhelmed with it that I would just take the app off and what mm-hmm. whatever phase of conversation I was in didn't matter. They were gone.
0: But that sucks too, because that next yeah. person could be amazing. And they're I basically know. getting like, shit on because of all the other people's like bad experience right like and you're yeah. also denying yourself an amazing potential experience because I mean I really do believe like it only takes one and I, I'm not trying to minimize the pain of dating trauma because I totally have been there myself but I do think it's unfortunate that all these like shitty experiences would essentially like m- potentially make you miss out
2: on that. Oh I completely agree and I actually do want to say this because it matters these were not bad dates these were not mm stories mm-hmm. where I could go on and be like, oh my God, you'll never believe what happened. <laughs> they were almost all great dates. That's why we went on a second date. Right.
0: Which almost makes it worse, right? I, totally. Because <laughs> I,
2: I was never going to friends and being like, wow, you have no idea what just happened. It, I didn't have bad dates. I didn't have bad experiences. I, there's multiple of these men that I have kept in vague social media touch with. They're great men. That wasn't the problem. And so I think. It does actually make it worse because it wasn't like some heinous scenario where somebody was acting poorly or throwing up or like whatever. <laughs> I don't know. You name it. I, we've all seen these <laughs> groups it just it just didn't proceed and there was no rational reason for it so I think that the overwhelm wasn't because they were shitty dates the overwhelm was because I didn't have an emotional outlet to feel safe and process this because mm. at a certain point friends didn't want to hear it dating groups didn't want to hear it I didn't have the skill set to actually know how to process it because it's it's an unseen untalked about phenomenon that I agree I'm not alone in this many people wow. who've been on the dating market for, there's no specific period of time, but they have a lot of pain around this. They have feelings of rejection. They feel sad. They feel a sense of grief that they can't make this work. And you're right. It does only take one. But at some point when our emotions are kind of almost trapped inside, it starts to feel lonely and you feel minimized. And it's really hard to keep that positive attitude of, totally. oh, it could be the next one. Totally. We well, right, you, um... you feel
0: like a failure. I mean, I've definitely been, there before them like I don't even want to tell my friends about this date because like if it doesn't work out then it's like they're gonna ask how the date went and then it's like another one that you have to explain like oh this didn't happen this person ghosted or it wasn't a fit whatever and I think it stems back to this root that like being single there's something wrong with you Mm -hmm. so then when you're actively like trying to fix it I'm saying that in the air quotes by dating and then it doesn't work you start to internalize it that there is like legit something wrong with.
1: And let's just pause on that for a sec. I want to just like expand on this for a little <laughs> bit for anybody listening, because it's really easy to listen to this and think of other people experiencing this dating trauma. But when you think about it for yourself, I'm no psychology expert, but I do know victims of trauma have a delayed reaction. Sometimes it takes years mm-hmm. for them to feel that trauma in their body and psychologically. I think the same goes for a dating trauma is that it takes that delayed reaction is affecting how you're dating today. So whatever you're putting out there right now, what you're experiencing could be something that you experienced five years ago, 10 years ago, right? So I think we need to think of ways to move forward from the previous Mm -hmm. dating trauma in order to address what is happening in your love life today. So what are some ways we can start healing that past trauma?
2: Well, one of the things I did was actually stop talking to friends to try to figure out what had gone wrong. And I went to the men themselves.
1: Mm. Mm, Okay, get it from the source. Yes. I mean, that's the only person
0: that knows, right? Your friends don't know.
2: (laughs) My friends don't know. And we would come up with these amazing, (laughs) amazing theories of all kinds and analyze and assess. And then eventually that's how I would get closure. But I started skipping that piece and going to the men and saying, hey, can I just ask you a couple questions? And what I found out was actually astonishing to me. None of it had anything to do with me and what i heard instead was were, were things like i got back together with my ex girlfriend mm-hmm. i'm not fully divorced and over that process i wanted to sleep with you on the first date and you didn't put out <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> um, <laughs> things like that. There were a lot of scenarios that involved other people Mm. and lack of emotional readiness. And Mm -hmm. quite often what I was actually presenting on dates was, as one man put it, you have your shit together. You said that in your profile. You said it when we talked. And then I sat across the table from you and thought, wow, you really have your shit together. I'm not there because I have this unresolved scenario emotionally in my life. Mm -hmm. And I heard that theme over and over again. And that actually started to change things for me because then I could lean into that. Mm -hmm. And then I started to do a ton of emotional work because a lot of this really was a lack of emotional skill set. So I put myself in dating groups where the focus was only self-growth and only positivity. So we see Like our community. Yeah, sounds like ours. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And that's why... ended up actually in your group because it fit that self growth and positivity model and not positivity that's fake or contrived or or muzzled where we're not allowed to tell those stories but because the people in those groups are there to do the work on themselves not to blame other people because that's super easy Mm -hmm. we can all create all stories and we can stay victimized and that started to help me get connected back to myself.
0: I want to double down on this because I actually had a similar situation happen to me. Like I remember like I went through this stage of serial dating and I was always in the mindset of like, why don't they like me? It was all about me. And it, I re- and I think it is easy to fall in that trap because the reality is after two dates, you actually don't really know that much about them. Like if Mm-mm, you've been you know, out for you know. a couple hours, like usually they're not going to be that forthcoming about what's going on in their life, especially if it's enough that it means that they can't pursue a relationship with you or with anyone else, right? Absolutely. And I remember like after I dated my most serious ex, like I feel like he was like very, you know, like open about just like the the issues that were going on in his personal life. And I remember being like, wow. I think also that just comes with being in a relationship too. You realize it's not just about you anymore. Like there is another person here, they have a whole world view that literally some of their actions or inactions have nothing to do with you. And Mm -hmm. I think like learning that and seeing that and like I remember like my ex canceled one of our very early dates like day of and I was like devastated when that happened. (laughs) But he did follow up like I'll I'll, like reschedule it all that so I did give it another chance then like later on I learned it was because of like depression that he had. So it's like how would I know that though going in and then that's something that has literally zero to do with you and now if you don't know that you're just like internalizing it that you did something Something wrong again.
2: That's right. And then I think that I started before I underwent a change process, I started to ascribe specialness to people that would ask me out again. I'm like, oh, this opportunity doesn't come around very much. This is a really mm-hmm. special person. Instead of actually going inside and saying to myself, do I want this person? It was it was coming from that lens of, do they want me? Because mm-hmm. it was happening so often that I I did feel that sense of I'm flawed. It takes a special person to go on a date with a single mother. I literally was told that so many Mm. times. It takes a special person to date a business owner who's female. I was told things like that. And so I internalized all of that. And instead of actually sitting at that table thinking, does this person meet my checklist? Are they showing signs of being emotionally available? Are they being consistent? Are they intellectually engaging? Mm -hmm. I was actually trying to do the opposite where if, if we went out again, well, they must be special because they just proved they were. And I think that that just creates that feedback loop again, where then we are actually hurting ourselves and it's, it's subconscious. It's not like I set out to do that, but that's why I think it's so important to actually have support groups like our group where we can have those conversations. There's so much compassion in our group. Mm -hmm. If you Mm want to learn how to speak with compassion, go into our group. And follow Ryan Jeffrey because everything (laughs) he says. Shout out to Ryan! (laughs) He is the best. He
0: is the best.
2: He is so compassionate towards people's experiences, Mm -hmm. and I had to learn that skill. It was not inherent to me. Much as people always say that women are nurturing and caring, that was not inherent to me. And I now have a self-awareness and self-compassion practice that I do every day, and that was a hugely important piece of moving past this as well, because then I could just sit with my experience I could acknowledge that it was painful I didn't call 25 girlfriends one after the other seeking that sort of please make me feel better and inevitably again through no fault of their own it would just make me feel worse because what I really wanted was someone to say you know that sounds really painful that's mm. unfortunate right that sounds hard But I had to learn how to do that for myself. And I'm still practicing that. And I will be forever. But I think it's really important to also have somebody else in the world doing it for you. Post in our group. Tag Ryan. He'll do it for you.
0: (laughs) So you were kind of talking about it earlier that ultimately this made you, like, it made it difficult to have relationships because you had so many walls up. And I think it's kind of like chicken and egg because I've thought about this before. Like, I'm like, I don't want to go on a date and like share my whole life story. Or not like my whole life story, but you know, like enough about myself that this person gets to know me only for them to disappear. But at the same time, like, if you don't share anything about yourself, then it's going to be really hard to even make a connection for them to potentially like be a date too. So how do you like balance those two? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm laughing because how I learned to balance it was to do what I would call fake vulnerability. I Ooh. spend time one-on-one with people in my job where I exchange a lot of stories with them. And I'm, you know, I'm not a hairdresser, but I function in that same capacity where I talk to people all day long. So I really learned what stories sounded vulnerable and sounded like I was sharing something that was actually personal, but actually I didn't have any emotional charge or attachment to mm. it. So I could kind of go on dates and share things that sounded like, they must be vulnerable and connecting, but I actually had no heart behind Mm. them. Give us
1: an example. Dancing like
2: a monkey. Yeah. Yeah. What's an example?
0: (laughs) Everyone's going to share this on their next date now.
2: (laughs) Um, I'm not sure. Nothing is jumping into my head, but things that you'd share in a podcast. So Julie and UA, I know you have that experience because you're sharing things on a podcast and they're not things that you're wanting to keep a secret or that you're necessarily sharing with your best friends, but that you would feel comfortable putting in public. So I would share difficulties about being a business owner or I would mm-hmm. share something mm-hmm. about, you know, it commonly came up, I'm a lone parent. So how did that happen? And I would share some version version of that story that was polished, but sounded like I had some emotional connection to it, but it really...
0: Not every deep, dark secret you don't need to reveal. No, and I one. and <laughs> I
2: don't think that you should be doing on, that on first and second dates anyways, but I have a public career and these were things that I would write on Instagram with the exact same amount of emotional charge to it. So that's not actually vulnerable. That's fake vulnerability. It's performing. Mm. It's sharing things that actually don't connect because... there's no heart in it it's it's words it's coming out of your head it's not coming Mm. out of your heart and your body
0: interesting that's an interesting distinction i like it because it's not Mm.
2: it's like i think performing
0: sometimes i think of like you know putting on an act essentially and i don't think it's that because you still are sharing what's coming from you but you're just not like if this person never called you back you wouldn't necessarily have something out there to them that wouldn't be out there to the public essentially or that you wouldn't feel comfortable with the public
2: i guess what i would say is i didn't Put, I didn't have any skin in the game. I wasn't taking mm. any risks. Right. I was actually unknowingly falling into these gender stereotype tropes where I'm acting like I'm nurturing. I'm acting like I'm caring. I'm acting like I'm open. I, I am actually fun and playful as it is. But I was really playing in that. And then, you know, the man would ask me out on the date. The man would pay. The man, would, the man was doing the same thing. He's acting as if. But in mm-hmm. the meantime, not saying, my ex-girlfriend is... <laughs> hovering around (laughs) outside. I'm not actually fully divorced. Um, My mission for being here is to see if I can sleep with you tonight. And so he was hiding something, but actually so was I. And so it's no wonder that we couldn't kind of get off the ground. But I've been in the dating market long enough to know that I think we are all doing this on Tinder. And it's why people are so dissatisfied because we are acting as if, and nobody wants to really put any skin in the game. Everybody's playing Mm. this game of chicken And that's, I think, why we have the safety of all these rules because, well, if I do this and I do that and I do this other thing, I'm not actually invested. My heart's not invested. So if I get rejected, well, he rejected me for stories on Instagram and not actually the real me. But again, talking heteronormatively, the guys are doing exactly the same thing. And then everybody just feels this sense of emptiness and loss and disconnection and dissatisfaction. So
0: fake Mm -hmm. vulnerability, you're still putting your foot in in the game because you are sharing about yourself. Yep. You're just not going so far in that you're getting like way ahead of things either.
2: Yeah. I think it's just, I think dating is really an energetic connection. Relationships are about an energy exchange. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really offering much energy. They were words without soul. Mm, That's, that's fascinating, because I feel like that's, it
1: goes back into the dater view conversation. This goes one step deeper, but you're also revealing things about you that you're not super attached to. Um, I do think vulnerability needs to be earned on a date. Yes. Vulnerability, right? I remember. Yes, going on a, date with a guy who revealed that he got a girl pregnant and she was super upset and <laughs> ended up getting an abortion and too this much all the first date and that he came back and apologized to her and but said you shouldn't keep the baby and then he wanted to get back together with her and she was like go away and I was like wait I haven't even ordered a drink yet and
0: I, <laughs> like, yeah. I bet for you texting me about that one yeah. I
1: love I I don't even remember his name right like like, why do
2: you need to know that
0: story about him?
1: Right? I just feel, and also in some ways, I just felt like I didn't earn that.
2: No, that sounds like somebody processing their emotions in front of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean I don't I like I like what you're saying with
0: fake vulnerability. I don't know if I love the word fake yeah, just I don't because think it's fake like the right putting word. it out
2: there. I think we need to do it's like maybe it's like small V or something. Yeah, like. small v. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think real vulnerability after a date, and again, this is something actually quite honestly I feel the patriarchy trains out of women is saying I had a really great time and I would love to see you again. Can we plan for that? Mm -hmm. Real vulnerability does not need to be sharing stories about your abortion (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Um, Those are things, yes, they need to be earned. But I think what are those small things that make you slightly uncomfortable? I'd love a good night kiss. I'd love to see you again. Mm -hmm. When I get home, can we text? It's just Mm -hmm. putting yourself Mm -hmm. out there a little bit that is vulnerable. And I think when we're waiting for men to do it, we're not doing that. And then I, I personally was trying to kind of fill that vulnerability bucket with different things, but it's, actually was those little things that were missing and so there was no heart because i was coming home hoping to hear from the guy or calling girlfriends and expressing things that i wasn't saying to the man and actually even even when they ghosted me or even when they said you know let's not go out again instead of actually talking through those feelings with them which would have taken less than five minutes I would invest all of that in telling girlfriends. So my vulnerability actually went to my friends because they would mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, how was your date? And I'd say, <laughs> oh, I just really, I, he was so cute. And I really You thought, didn't tell him. Yeah. No, I didn't <laughs> tell him. And so, you know, I think when we hear the word vulnerability, we hear deep, dark secrets and it doesn't mm. mean deep, dark secrets. It, it's just what is in your body at this moment yep. is I want to connect with you. And making that ask for that connection, and so now you'll see this on the board. But I'm like, a, <laughs> I'm like a raging feminist in terms of let's get rid of these gender norms. Let's get rid of these heteronormative mm-hmm. dating rules, and let's actually follow ourself. And it's because of my own experience with that, where I would, you know, show this vulnerability in a in a n- not truthful way, and then miss the part that actually was vulnerable, which is saying, you know, this date meant a lot to me. Our Mm -hmm. texts feel very connecting. Can we can we do this again?
0: I am definitely relating hard to this because I remember like during this period that I was doing like the serial dating, I had this guy friend who was married to another friend of mine and he like never dated. So he would give me the advice that I should just like reach out after and tell them I had a really good time. And I was like, I will never do that Mm. because I was following the rules and I'm like, you just don't know because you're not in today's dating world, like blah, 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 blah. You know, like totally discounted his advice, which I should have listened to. And then like I think, <laughs> I think, like years later is when I started to just like not give a crap a little more like similar to what you said just like be more authentic of like how I'd be with friends and you know not like kind of try to play by these rules and I think like saying stuff like that gives permission for the other person to then become vulnerable themselves and pursue it and I think we've talked about this and you kind of alluded to it this like game of relationship chicken where like both people are like one foot in one foot out and if they don't get a sign from the other person just no one acts like I went on a date the other day and I was like I could go either way on this one like I'm like kind of impartial to it Mm -hmm. and he probably said the same and like since then nothing has really happened so it's like this game of impartialness I think is almost like the worst thing that we do.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's because we have so many options out there. So we wait for this magical, meet cute story where you lock eyes and the second you see each other, you make this instantaneous decision where you quote, unquote, (laughs) just know. And I think that relationships aren't actually built that way. Think of how many friends you have that took hours of time and investment Mm -hmm. to actually get that closeness. It wasn't like you met them and were instantly like, oh my God, this person is my best friend and I just know and it's just... (laughs) I can feel it everywhere. I mean, I I don't know of anybody who talks that way about other connections in their life. And yet we're looking for that on dates. And so I think that indifference is actually probably a space of being healthy, but people aren't following up because Mm -hmm. they're like, well, if they're that interested, they can. I think the other thing we do is we tell people to go on dates with multiple people and then wait for exclusivity. Well, how are you investing Right. Mm-hmm. If you're just dating this whirlwind of people, and I certainly during the phase that I'm that I that pre-existed kind of with the change, I was doing the same thing. So I would go on three dates a week, and I don't know how you can possibly invest.
0: Well, everyone starts to merge together. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, and it actually is a form of creating a wall where that training to go on multiple dates and fill your man funnel, which is advice that's given to women quite frequently, is actually (laughs) a way of being avoidant and putting up walls. And it's a way to supposedly prevent pain because, Mm -hmm. well, the minute you might feel pain, somebody else is going to be there and then you can just ignore it. I don't think it's healthy actually, personally. Um, So after I shifted and started really getting into my emotions and practicing awareness and learning emotional skills, I started being very direct with men that even if it was a first date, that was the only date I was going to go on and play that through to the end. No man ever had an issue with that. But that way I focused on that particular connection, that particular relationship. Maybe it was a day. That's okay. Because Tinder is constantly refilling itself. So there was no hurry to sort of have three dates in the, in the queue in case one didn't work out well if that one didn't work out that tinder bucket could refill itself i could go on a date tonight if i wanted to from tinder it's not difficult to get tinder dates so i think that that mentality of of scarcity is almost built by having that bucket
1: let's hold that thought because i want to get back into this especially how we can recognize if something we're doing is a product of dating trauma versus how we truly feel so let's hold that thought we have a special message from our sponsor. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow. It will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the high Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. But I do want to get back to this idea because I think dating multiple people could be a product of dating trauma. If it doesn't feel natural to you and you feel like you're forcing yourself to do it, That is a product of you not wanting to feel hurt and abandoned and not wanting uh, to form deeper connections. So Mm. applying it to ourselves, how can we recognize the difference between something we're doing that is a product of dating trauma versus how we truly authentically feel?
2: I think trauma lives in our brain as some sort of heightened state. So we've all had that moment after dates when we call friends and we're agitated and we're in our head and we don't Mm -hmm. actually feel that calm. And you may not even actually register the idea that you're upset, but that's a form of Mm. not actually being in your body. So your nervous system is registering that as, (gasps) and so I think any Activity or behavior that is happening from that state of frenetic energy is going to be a kind of trauma. And so that's where we actually throw those rules on top. I've had lots of conversations with people about initiating dates or following up. And I love what Julie said, which is how are you naturally? I personally am a social connector. Mm -hmm. I call people, I organize things. That's just my nature. And so in that frenzied, panicked headspace that Anxiety headspace, I was throwing a dating rule on top of never call a man because I was 15 (laughs) when I learned that one and it gets reinforced (laughs) over and over again. And then I noticed it was those racing thoughts where. I didn't have the skill set in those days to check the facts. So I would go into, well, he's not going to want me. I'm not going to be appealing. I'm going to be needy. And there's still to this day, those narratives will still pop up in my head. Mm -hmm. But I recognize now that they are in my head. They're racing thoughts. They're anxious thoughts. And when we're actually behaving with authenticity, our nervous system feels super calm and i think that we're often confounded about which is which because we're told that chemistry feels like sparks it feels exciting it's nerves so i was really confused between those because i'm like "Whoa, oh, this frenetic sense mm-hmm. means that i really like him and that you know this is exciting this is how it's supposed to be but i wasn't actually able to ground into what my body actually would feel like if it was in a restful, connected, calm state where I could actually calmly, without this weird narrative in my head, be like, oh, you know, I'd really like to talk to this person. I'm going to call him or I'm going to text him. So I think it's, that's why I have a body practice. I do yin yoga every day to practice the feeling of being calm Mm -hmm. being connected to myself. And I didn't do that for dating purposes, but it has laid a foundation in my awareness about what calm, connected me feels like. And when I jump outside of that in a dating context, I'm doing something that's not calm or connected, which means I'm doing it from that place of micro trauma. Right. So... Yeah, I feel
0: like we've had a lot of conversations lately of like, how do you know when it's your own stuff versus like the external person putting it on essentially. And I I hate like blaming someone else, but sometimes people just aren't a good fit for you. Absolutely. And they bring out certain sides of you or like they're just not ready and it's clear and it's like coming through as ambiguity or whatever. So like how do you kind of separate like releasing your own anxiety when it comes to dating versus like distinguishing like this just isn't the right fit?
2: I think that a good fit for me is someone who doesn't trigger that anxiety state. Mm -hmm. And that's a statement that's way easier said than done. (laughs) Um, Because I do get triggered, I do get anxious, and I do still have to really overcome that sensation of the dating trauma in the first place. Mm -hmm. But in a broad sense, I think that A good positive connection is somebody who and we're not talking about a first or second date here. But a good positive connection is somebody who I can share my feelings with and work through that trigger. And a lot of what I'm calling a trigger is gonna be a micro trigger. It's not gonna be something where I can't speak to them for four days. It's just something where I can say, you know, I'm feeling a little anxious about this or mm-hmm. I didn't prefer that word you used. And so I need a lot of very open communication. Otherwise I go into my head and I get anxious about it. And I go into this rutted pattern of dating trauma where I start making up stories and I start going back to these trained narratives. But at this point, I can kind of catch myself. So a good partner for me is somebody who's going to actually help me recover from that and heal Mm -hmm. from that, as opposed to feeling triggered all the time with Mm -hmm. no outlet. And I think it's a nurturing kind of safety, the same way a mother picks up a baby who's crying and it feels calming. If a stranger picks up a baby, mm. the baby is not going to feel calmed by the same activity. So I look for that sensation when I wake up in the morning of, does my nervous system feel calm? And I mm-hmm. literally actually go through that process with myself to have that sense of awareness because I I really became aware during this process of how often I was triggered and then would look to that emotionally unsafe person for support or for conversation, communication, connection, but actually would just end up re-triggered or feel unheard or feel unresponded to. There wasn't any sense of nurturing that accompanied that. So it's very difficult because I think the things that we're trained to look for societally are fun and common interests and chemistry and the spark. Mm -hmm. But the spark actually for me is not healthy. That spark is like a little Fire of anxiety inside me. And so I'm actually looking for the opposite. I'm looking for somebody who, when I wake up, I feel like a, a cat that's purring as opposed to a fire that's burning. <laughs> well,
1: they say trauma begets more trauma because that's what you recognize. So you become almost addicted to that yes. feeling in your body and you feel like something's wrong if you don't feel traumatized in a relationship. And that's why there's so much self-sabotaging yeah behavior out there and toxic dating behavior. So how can we stop ourselves in our tracks before we carry on with this kind of bad dating behavior? Again, my favorite quote is we're all each other's consequences. So we got to stop that kind of behavior with ourselves if we don't ever want to feel that again with other people. So like you talked about the triggers, what are other ways that we can just stop before we react?
2: I think we really do need to have personal practices that build emotional health, emotional safety, mm-hmm. build bodily awareness so that we can identify, is that a pit in my stomach or are those mm-hmm. butterflies, things like that. Mm-hmm. So th- that actually really does come back to doing that work on ourselves and then also surrounding ourselves with other people who are doing that work. There's a language that comes along with that. I could post something very personal on the board in our group right now, and I would get met with compassion and understanding. I would Mm -hmm. definitely find somebody else who related to that experience. And so pulling ourselves out of those scenarios of the toxic dating groups and the toxic friends and the nervous system that's always amped up, And actually, the more stress we have in our lives, I think the more we need to really have these active practices of looking for these emotional safety skills, self-regulation skills, co-regulation skills, self-awareness skills, and what does it actually feel like? Because I don't think that Mm -hmm. most of us know. I certainly didn't. And I agree with you where my baseline was like a cat on the ceiling. And so that for me was just normal. And then you added a little extra fancy dating anxiety. <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is it. And it and it felt intoxicating. And then I felt like I couldn't actually discern. You know, I would hear things like, make a list of your must-haves and deal breakers. Well, I didn't know how mm. to apply that at all because I didn't have that baseline sense of this is what it feels like to take care of me. This is what it feels mm-hmm. like to nurture myself. This is what it feels like to be safe in my body. Mm-hmm. So I have I have I actually am old school. I handwrite my to-do list. Me too. Every day. Yes. It's a I yes. know it's I yes. don't it's the lava life generation. <laughs> we handwrite everything. A couple
0: years younger, just no more. <laughs> All digital. <That's>
2: right. <laughs> and on the left side of my piece of paper in my block lettering written with a marker, I have a list of activities that are all optional, but things like taking a bath, reading, going for a walk. These are things that used to bore me, but they're things that I actually need to be like, this is what it feels like to have a calm nervous system. And I make sure that I do a bunch of things from that list. And that's super boring, but it really puts us into ourselves and what what that sense of neutrality feels like. I used to have a fashion media executive job in New York City, which is like the most anxious place on the planet. I think they pump anxiety into the air and you breathe it in the subway and you're like, (laughs) Um, and so my sense of what anxiety was, had you asked me, I would have been like, no, I have no anxiety at all. So how was I to actually know what anxiety was versus calm? And I really had to move into these practices daily Mm. to know what it is. And then I start to really look for people that, mirror that and help me embody that myself
0: I love that I think like bringing it like full circle to what you said earlier is like I think the problem is we're not in touch with our emotions like we think that like there's a certain anxiety but that's not like relative to yourself what we're talking about earlier when ghosting happens you're kind of just complaining you're not like really taking it in of how you're feeling with something and I think for myself like and this is ingrained in society is like it's you're told that you don't want to act needy that saying if you're Like feeling anxious to a man in a heteronormative relationship is like the worst thing you can do. And we actually had an interview recently with Connor Beaton, and he turned something around (laughs) on me completely. And I know he's great, and he was like, like it was something. It was I was basically asking a scenario if that was a sign that someone was emotionally unavailable, and he basically turned it on to me and was like, "What are you feeling with this? Like, how are you feeling? And you need to kind of essentially communicate like." hey, I'm interested in you, but I'm not interested in a relationship that makes me feel anxious. And I did his advice. And I feel like I went from even just putting that out there and like asserting yourself made me like not anxious anymore. It was so liberating. And I actually was met with compassion back from the person that I shared this with. Like, I think in my mind, I was like, I'm gonna send this, he's probably not even gonna reply to it, nothing. But like, I was pleasantly surprised by the compassion I was met back. And I think there is a detriment that you're afraid to do that and that's when the anxiety builds and that's when the trauma builds because you don't ever like share your truth and put it out there.
2: I agree. I learned for myself that Although I had been taught to repress all of that and to never share it, I got the opposite reaction. I have never once been met with anything negative when I asked men questions. Hey, can I ask you what happened? Why didn't we go out Mm -hmm. on a third date? They all answered it. We had lovely conversations. It ended well. I was never met with aggression or anything that was uncomfortable. When I would tell men, I've just met someone. I want to see where this goes. I got back mostly notes of, wow, that was really great of you to tell me. Good luck with that. And mm-hmm. many of them even said, if it doesn't work out, keep me posted. That is not what our cultural narrative suggests is about to happen. And so I started dating from that place of compassion and self-compassion and really being the person that I would want to date where, you know, I don't want to get ghosted. So I'm not going to ghost other people. I yes. don't want other people going on dates with me and going going home and having all, all this anxiety. So, you know, I'm happy to answer any questions and I'm going to actually give people reasons why I don't want to proceed forward. And we can do this in a kind, compassionate way, not fake kindness, not trained womanly kindness, but actually really speaking the truth. And it completely neutralizes anxiety. So I will still sometimes wake up with kind of free floating anxiety. And then I sit down like, okay, what is happening here? And the second I actually can put words to it, it evaporates. If it involves someone else, I just go tell them because that is the truth. That is what I'm feeling. And I haven't had any experiences where somebody says, oh my God, you're so needy. What's wrong with you? It tends to be very connecting because otherwise we're carrying around this kind of bubble of spikes of anxiety and they can feel that. So mm-hmm. we think we're hiding it and we think we're processing it or we think we're concealing something, but we're actually blocking that energetic connection and we're blocking the relationship from developing.
1: And we do that because of trauma. We think that a relationship is only Good when there is anxiety and we mistaken anxiety for the butterflies and for the sparks. But in actuality, I would love to go into takeaways because what we're saying is we have to connect with our feelings and know what's good and what's bad for you. So anxiety, you have to know that it's bad for you. How do I not make myself feel anxious? And if you don't feel anxious in a relationship or when you first start dating someone, doesn't mean that it's boring, doesn't mean that it's weird. It just means it's going pretty well and you don't need to strive for that anxiety. So I think my biggest takeaway is showing yourself compassion, putting words to your feelings and connecting to the feelings that are good for you and connecting to the feelings that are bad for you. And I love having some sort of ritual where mm-hmm. self-care is prioritized, where you take a few hours in a week to sit alone with your thoughts. Self-care doesn't actually need to be a bath, right? It doesn't need to be the spa. It could just be sitting in a corner in your room, being alone with your thoughts and saying, how are you feeling? What are you feeling these days? And is this a good feeling or a bad feeling? So that's my biggest takeaway from this conversation. But my second takeaway is we almost have to accept the fact that everything we do today is a result of this buildup of relationship and dating trauma we've experienced in the past. And the only way to move forward is to reconcile with those past traumas.
0: Mm -hmm. My biggest takeaway is to feel all the feels like regardless how insignificant it sounds like I feel like I won't minimize it because I've definitely done that too. It's like the minimization because you don't feel like it's a big thing. It's only a week long or whatever, like should happen, like you're allowed to feel however you feel from it. And I think like this happens with men and women. This isn't like a women agnostic. I remember one of our um, past couples we talked to Sammy and David, I remember him actually like saying to her like, hey, I'm feeling anxiety because of past shitty people I've dated that have kind of like left me on red and this has happened and I really like you and I don't want this to happen again. That is vulnerability and that's not necessarily like disclosing all your deep, dark secrets and life story, but it's not, it's having the courage to put out like where you're at with someone so they can meet you. And if they don't meet you, then you have information that you know that like where you stand with this person. And like we were saying before, it's like, how do you measure relationships on the barometer of like how they make you feel more Opposed to like the checklist that you have. If you know ultimately that like you want a relationship where you feel calm or you feel connected and that's not happening with that person, like that is, it's better to find that out earlier or to, like at least see like signs of things than to just bottle everything up and never give a person an ability mm-hmm. to react either way.
1: Love it. Let's digest it all right now.
2: I mean, Janice, I guess any last parting words
0: of <laughs> wisdom or advice that you would give anyone going through this right now?
2: I think really look to create community because Mm -hmm. if we're trying to foster connection, mirroring what we want is going to be a very useful skill. So surround yourself with the kind of people that you would want to date or want to be in relationship with and look for that support from them. Most of us don't want to be around a bunch of people that are nope. bitching and moaning and complaining and whining and victimizing themselves and staying stuck in that. So join our Facebook group and <laughs> really look to people that are Actually doing this work and mirroring the kind of behavior that you want to see. I have what I call the gold standard. So there's somebody in my life who actually really embodies the kind of person and the kind of way that I want to be treated. And that goes a long ways to removing scarcity. It goes a long ways to mm-hmm. making me believe that it can be there. But also, I practice the skill set of being in relationships—the kind of relationships I want to be in—and those are not anxious, traumatized, walled-off relationships. So I think that's the most important thing that I would do: is create that community and foster other kinds of relationships that are as calming and nurturing and kind and connected as you want in a dating partner.
0: I love that. Not just because you shamelessly (laughs) promoted our group, but because (laughs) I feel like people often that are single are like, well, if I'm not going to meet someone there, it's not worth my time. And I do think like just forming community and making connections with new people, whether it's romantic or not, like, Even if it's totally platonic, even with like people that you have no sexual attraction to because of your sexuality or whatever it may be, like I think that teaches you the skills of how to, you know, small V, become vulnerable with people and really like practice those relationship skills and building that intimacy in a way that's like going to translate to a romantic partner also
2: i think we also can see evidence of the kind of person we want i am very public and vocal in our group about some of the amazing men that mm -hmm. exist in our group and so when women say well there's no good guys out there that's a limiting belief but it Mm -hmm. also isn't true and if you want to see what good guys say and think and do and what they believe and how they behave they are literally Mm -hmm. in clusters in our group Mm -hmm. (laughs) so there's no shortage of them and they exist they're real (laughs) (laughs) you know i've spoken to some of them on the phone or on facetime they're legitimate people we have our happy hours their faces are there and so i think that's really really important because then our nervous system and Mm -hmm. our whole body and soul and our brain actually realize that this is not kind of one person in every city and every man or woman for themselves has got to go find this only one good person or that literally Mm -hmm. what's always said is there's none and in our community there's tons and so we can practice building those relationships with people right there just through communication that doesn't have to there's there isn't Actually, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think we have any couples that have come out of our group yet. So it's not a singles group where we're picking each other up.
1: Right, right. Which is a different... Which is why I like it. (laughs) It's not a (laughs) pickup, like marketplace. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think what you said is interesting too, because men have also said the same about women. And I think like you said something really interesting earlier that I do want to kind of just end on this note is like, sometimes it takes a while to see the trauma. And sometimes I've even acknowledged other people's posts of feeling this trauma that I feel like I've overcome per se, but then sometimes new dating situations brings it up again. And you're like, now I'm actually seeing that like, maybe it isn't fully resolved, or you're seeing it come out with someone else. And you're like. Like, oh, this is a reminder of how I once, like, felt. And, like, if you feel like you've had the coping skills to overcome it, then you Mm -hmm. can, like, pay it forward and help someone else. Or if not, you can kind of work through it a little more, even becoming aware that it still might be a trigger for you.
2: I think we talk about self-care and self-love a lot these days. Mm The reality is, we cannot learn relational skills True. on our own. So, self love and self care are important, yes, but we don't actually know what relational skills we have until that's tested through relationship. Because yes. I could sit in my apartment all day long, all <laughs> self love and self care, my cashmere, <laughs> feeling good and calm and mm-hmm. doing all of my practices. And then, you know, I've had scenarios where this is real. Somebody, that i'm dating says something and it's one word and all of a sudden my nervous system is off in some other plane that has nothing to do with that person and that's a trigger and i'm not going to trigger that in myself i'm not going to sit on my couch and play videos of this one word and often i'm not even aware of what it is but but we just have this response so we can't learn relational skills on our own. There's no such Mm -hmm. thing as healing. I see this narrative a lot. We can heal. And there's this idea that it's like we become this healed person and only then should we date. This is going to be messy for all of us. We're going to get triggered and traumatized and et cetera. But the relational skill set comes from being in relationship.
0: I think that's so important that you said that because I definitely had that sinking moment that I'm like, I do this podcast, I feel like I've come so far. Like, Why am I still feeling this way? And I think maybe the word (laughs) isn't overcome like maybe there is nothing to overcome like the reality is that this trauma exists and becoming aware of it then you can like like learn how to like calm your nervous system feel your body feel the feels and like process and have those conversations maybe it's unrealistic to say like it's going to completely ever go away
1: yeah it's not about fixing it's about lessening lessening the pain, lessening the effect, Mm -hmm. and lessening all the assholes who are doing all this bad dating behavior, yourself (laughs) included, if you are one of those. This magical group you speak of, Janice, I just want to give a, in case you're not in this (laughs) magical group, it's called love
0: (laughs) <laughs> in, case you've never, in case you've never listened to this podcast before. You know, in where case we you're talk new and you forget the name of it, it's called
1: Love in the Time of Corona. Janice is the moderator. It's a great place to be. We're not just saying that because we started the group. We truly are saying that because we have met some of the most fantastic, compassionate, uh, self-aware people ever. And it's just a great environment to be in, especially right now. But Janice, for you specifically, if people want to um, sample some of your writings, and they want to get to know you more, where can they find you?
2: The portal for everything on the internet is through my business page, which is My Body Couture. And then that unfolds the links to my elephant journal writings, some of which are around health and fitness, some of which are around dating, some of which are around single parenting. So I have a little bit, for everybody. And I also have my links on there for my Facebook and Instagram and Clubhouse. And so you can just use my (laughs) website. I know. Um, So you can use my website to sort of find me everywhere else. But Mostly, I either go under my name or my business name.
0: I think what I'm learning just how much more of mm-hmm. it comes in your body. Like I think we're always taught like how everything you got to figure out dating is all about your your mindset and your mind space and your brain and the logic. And I think there is a lot of that rests in the body. So I'm so glad that like you are helping people kind of get in touch with their bodies more.
1: And for our listeners, while you're online looking at Janice's stuff. <laughs> That doesn't sound right. (laughs) (laughs) Find out more about Janice. You can quickly go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating too, you know? While you're online, mm-hmm. kill two birds with one two stone. Two birds, one stone. Yeah. <laughs> Which today I realized I don't want it to kill birds. Like we should say, I you know. can, you know, touch two birds with one. I don't know something like play with two or birds, save them. Save, yeah, save two yeah. birds with one
2: stone. I like that better. I don't such want such
0: it- bad saying. Such right? Bad saying. Why
2: are you trying to kill two birds? Like, what do they do to you? It's internet polyamory. Yeah, we can there we go. Have multiple. There you go.
0: All you need to do just just leave us five stars. That's don't all we're trying about to say. Story. <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't don't let's not you know let's not overcomplicate things. It's just going on. Go to go to multiple <laughs> websites. You don't have to devote and um and say that you are monogamous with any of the websites. Uh, we really appreciate you, Janice, uh, not just as a guest on our show, but also for mm-hmm. everything you've done. With us, for us, um, for our members, you're just this goddess that I feel like people <laughs> go to, they want to emulate you, and yes. they learn from you. And the first time we talked to Jan as like really one-on-one, we were like, who who has your back, Janice? Like, who is taking care of you? And she's like, just me, just me. I got, I got my own back. So you're the epitome of just like the most independent and self-aware person out there. So we really appreciate you. Thank you for sharing your story about dating mm-hmm. trauma with us. And um, we can't wait to learn more about you as we move forward with the crew. Yeah. Yes. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts.